What's up, Survivors? This is D180, a horror podcast taking you on a ride. And this week, we're talking 2020's The Dark and the Wicked. Johnny, have you seen this movie before? Well, not like... I mean, I know it's new. Or let me ask, have you heard of this movie before? No. <laughs> I only heard of it when she sent out the list for you. If this is your first time listening to this episode, the only reason she's laughing is because the past few episodes when we talk about how we found the movie, she goes, nope, I just heard it when she put it on the list. Like, you know, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah. Once again, I'm going to sound like a broken record because I found this on Spooky Astronaut's channel, one of her videos for her top 2020 videos. So The Dark and the Wicked was directed by Brian Bertino who is a Libra. Johnny, do you know who Brian Bertino is? Are you familiar with any of his works? No. Who is this man? Have you ever seen The Strangers? Is that when they're in the woods? Um, vaguely, yeah. They're like in a secluded area. It's a home invasion movie with the mask. It's like, it came out like in 2008. I have a thing against home invasion movies. I don't know what it Ooh, is. Oh, I do too. No, it's, it's too close to home. That's what it is. But anyway, um, Brian Bertino, he's in charge of directing Strangers and Pray at Night. Compared to this movie, it's a different type of home invasion. So stay with me real quick. In The Strangers, you said you haven't seen this, so I won't like go too far into details. Because I think I've seen the um, the trailer for Strangers. And, like They come in with masks. And, like, they... They're either already hiding in the house or they just come up and just decide to kill you and break in the house. I don't really know. I just know it's a confusion. With this movie, we can just call it what it is and just say it's more of like a, um, this is a demonic entity versus the prior two movies being the danger of somebody physically coming to your house. You get what I'm saying? One more little fun fact about um, Mr. Bertino before I get into the rest of the production. Did you know that this was shot on his family farm? No. Like that entire set is his family farm. I would be scared to live there ever again. Why spaces like that where you're secluded like that? Even people who live in those big houses like over in Upper Marlboro, Brandywine, those huge houses and your neighbor is like a mile away from yeah. you. That's scary. Like, how do you live like that? Don't like that one bit. <laughs> Not at all. Getting into the rest of the works behind the film. This one's also produced by Brian Bertino, Adrian Biddle, Sony Mahi, and Kevin Matsuo. This was also written by Brian Bertino, of course. And it stars Marilyn Ireland, who, do you recognize her from anything? Who was Marilyn? Mar- Marilyn plays Louise. My mistake, sorry. Marilyn plays Louise. I do. I did mm-hmm. recognize her from something, but I don't know what I recognize her from. Some of you guys might notice her from Umbrella Academy. I haven't seen that yet. I, I watched the first episode either. and couldn't. I couldn't. You know me. I'm just not into watching like TV series. I love me some reality TV, but it's always like the early 2000s stuff. Like I'm not watching like Bachelor. And, and see, that's the thing. I I love show, TV shows. I just can't sit down and watch a movie. 
Like I actually have to force myself to watch a movie versus watching a TV show. Cause I know a TV show is only going to be like maybe 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. An hour if it's on like HBO or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, whatever. But like movies, because I know most movies nowadays are like two hours and my mind can't. Oh girl, you're going to hate when we do this movies movie. like Midsommar. I had to pause it. I had to pause it. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you watch that? And do some work. And then come back, huh? Didn't you? Wait, Did you said you had to pause this movie? Mm-hmm. And work. <laughs> and then go back and watch it. Because I don't... Here's the thing. If I go... If I watch it at night, I'll probably fall asleep. So I gotta watch it during the day. Mm-hmm. And sorry if any of my bosses or coworkers are listening to this. <laughs> but I really don't be doing shit during the day. So... Sometimes I'll watch TV and then go back to a meeting and then go back to watching something. So that's what happened today. I watched the movie, had a meeting, then went back to the movie. <laughs> Once again, Johnny is at work, so she does not get fined. We should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> like, that is literally my life. I'm here, so I don't get Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Anyway, so yeah, she's on Umbrella Academy. She's in I Am Legend. I don't know what role specifically because I haven't seen oh, that movie in forever. I saw that. But she's in that movie and she's also in a lot of episodes of Law and Order too. You do? Yeah, so you might recognize her. I don't watch Law and Order too much, but you might recognize her now that you've seen her in this movie. Then we have Michael Abbott Jr. as Michael, Julie Oliver Touchstone as the mother, Xander Berkeley as the priest. And do you recognize him? The priest, I yeah, do, priest. but I'm not sure from where either. Girl. Yeah, but I'm not sure from where. It's a movie that, okay, I'm going to try to give you a hint. I just want to mess with you a little bit. Okay, he's in a movie that a mom was in. This mom I'm referring to was in the movie Better Watch Out, and we talked about this. When she was younger. What's that movie? <laughs> when she was younger. Why get off her head? Get off her <laughs> Hold on, wait, time out. If you guys haven't listened to the Better Watch Out episode, John A didn't recognize who Virginia Madsen was. And you just have to hear the slander, like the disrespect. But anyway, they're in a movie together. I'm sniggling and giggling over there. <laughs> Y'all. Forgive me if I laugh a lot this episode. Candyman. First of all, she looked it up. Like, I can't see I did. it. I literally just said I'm Googling. I, I ain't hear you. Yeah, girl, this is fucking Trevor from Candyman, and he is the freaking scum of that movie. But anyway, he does really good in this movie because at first I didn't even recognize it was him. But then when I went back and I just watched his character, he does really well in this movie. But anyway, when I watched this movie the first time, I compared it to other movies. And this is for some of you guys while we're not in spoiler territory. I compared this movie to movies like The Shining, the Babadook, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Hereditary. 
Johnny, I know you haven't seen the Babadook and Hereditary, right? No. Remember, I didn't I hadn't even heard what the Babadook was. So when you said it, I said the what? Oh yeah, when you had to take your quiz during what was that, Mikey? <laughs> yeah. I think. Well, anyway. If you've seen those movies, you can kind of make the direct connections. But the one that I really think that stands out is The Shining, if you know what you're looking for. So one last thing I want to bring up is um, talking about the sound design. So this was done by Joe Stockton. I like how when we hear the music, they also use stuff that's in the background as well to kind of play on the emotions. For me, I kind of feel like when we watched movies like, and I know you guys haven't experienced this episode, the lost episode of His House, a lot of those times we were like conditioned for the jump scare. Or I'm trying to think of some other movies that we watched, but how did you feel about it? Um, some of the music changes were annoying. And it's this one specific scene with the, um, with the son. Don't remember, Michael, that's mm-hmm. it. So with, it was a scene where Michael and the music abruptly changed. And I was like, I don't like this. Mm. And then you kind of knew that there was going to be something outside the window because you the think music it was changed. abrupt. I'm not trying to now when it, I say that I'm not trying to change your decision, but that's kind of that was going to be my argument at the end of the movie. I actually liked that the music wasn't too brash. It wasn't too harsh. So here's the thing. I was in band for majority of my life. So when I like gradual music changes, where That's it's like you'll was. you didn't feel that that wasn't a gradual music change. It was literally it literally ended up being two different sounds. So it's like different when you have the background music and it gradually crescendos, basically getting louder. But see, that's what I'm arguing. That's what I'm arguing is you training me to be scared. I'm liking okay. So for example, and I know I'm jumping ahead. There's a scene where it was like um, no music all of a sudden it was like low music then all of a sudden there's music and i'm like i know there's something off the window now because well, i'm the not music talking changed. about that scene i'm talking about where the siblings come back into the house after being out on the porch and the door opens and only louise sees it and when she goes sees it we hear music playing but we also hear the tv in the background as well and the tv I'll get into it. I do understand what you're saying. And as we go through it, I guess you can help me understand certain points because they might stand out more as we go through it. Which leads me to a question I'm dying to ask you. I've been waiting to put you in the hot seat because for the last two episodes, (laughs) you've been getting me in, sis. Now that you told me what you told me, it's like I kind of feel bad, but... It's alright. <laughs> Howdy, survivors! Please keep your tips and limbs inside the vehicle and remain seated at all times. Hang on to your personal belongings, especially your minds and spines, cause this here's a wild ride. So, Janae, I'm scared. Don't be scared. <laughs> <laughs> We already kind of talked about this a little bit, so I might know your answer, but we're not going to play a game, so you can take a breath. It's just a question, and my question is, it's a would you rather question. Would you rather, would you rather have your home invaded by a physical entity or 
a demonic entity or not even demonic, just non-physical being. I know how to handle either situation. So. Oh, you built that life, huh? I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably go with the um, demonic as of right now. Ooh. Only because. Oh, you bad. Only because I don't have a gun. It's like if someone physically breaks in here, I'm dead. Unless I jump out the window. So you're not going to try to fight. I'm just asking. I'm not telling you to. I'm just curious. Yeah, I jump out the window. But no, nah, I know how to, ha- I know, I would know how to handle both, but I would say demonic because I think that would, it wouldn't take as long as these people and I definitely wouldn't be dead at the end of it. The amount of title cards that pop up throughout the entire movie, I can't wait until James A. Janice. I don't know if you watch Dan Meat on YouTube or follow him on IG, but um no. He does a kill count and he has a little title card saying, but he just says it like obviously when the title card pops up, but I can't wait to see how he's going to go about doing it in this movie. If you know, you know, but. Yo, can, these title cards actually help me out because I organize my notes. Yeah, same. It's just a little tidbit, but I do agree that they do help you move along, especially when you think of the grand scheme of things of how much is happening in one day. When you go back and look at it, you're like, dang, all of this happened on Thursday. All of this happened on Tuesday. Dang, this happened two days ago, and then this happened the next day. Well, anyway, let's just go ahead and get into it. When we come back, guys, we're going to be talking 2020's The Dark and the Wicked. Your mama, she was saying things. She would sit right beside him just whispering. But you weren't talking to him. We found it in her pocket. She didn't believe in God. What does it matter whether you believe? I found Mom's diary. What if she saw something out there? I told y'all not to come. There are things in this world, horrible things, wicked, and they come for whoever they want. I saw something. She wasn't crazy. Do you smell him? He's close now. He's not out there. He's already here. Before we get into this movie review, Janae, have you seen the trailer for this? No, I did not watch the trailer only because you told me not to watch the trailer and I didn't watch it. <laughs> now, you knew I meant don't watch the trailer until after you've seen the movie. You knew what I meant. Don't put that on yeah. you. 
But I got sidetracked after I watched the movie. I mean, no, that's understandable. But no, say that then. Just say that, sis. But no, it gives a real different vibe. This movie set a tone for me because I went in completely blind. Spoiler alert, we're in spoiler territory now. In the trailer, you see that the mom gets hung. You see a few of the jump scares, but the way that the music is, and dang, I'm upset that you didn't hear the trailer. Go ahead, take, watch it real quick. So I made Johnny take a time out and watch the trailer real quick. Now that you've seen the trailer, if you guys were here last week, Johnny read the plot synopsis for this movie. When she read the plot synopsis, it really didn't give away too much of the movie. Johnny, do you agree? Yeah, it was less one sentence, basically. Yeah. Now, if you weren't here, I have one. I don't think it's the same one she read, but I'll read it real I'll read it really quick, excuse me, for you, so you can just see how bland it is. So it says, plagued by waking nightmares, two siblings suspect that something evil is taking over their family at an isolated farmhouse. So just reading that, and based off of how many horror movies you might have seen that have something to do with an evil presence, an evil force, or isolation, you know, you get an idea of what you're going to get. Us just reading that, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I don't know what I'm getting into. I watched the movie. It's pretty scary for me, you know, like I'm completely shook up by the movie, but that's because I went into it blind. So when you watch the trailer, on the other hand, I feel like it kind of ruins it because you kind of see everything. Or maybe do you think it shows you the right amount of things and still leaves you in the dark for other things? Um, I don't think it gives away the movie. Like the horror aspect of it like the villain but not really villain aspect of it i agree with that it it just shows a lot of scenes though yeah and the scenes that it shows are like the scenes where things actually happen thank you that's what that's basically what i was trying to say and i think as i said earlier for me not going into a scene and for me not having had seen the trailer going into it not knowing anything is going to hit different versus you watching the trailer. So I would recommend going in blind. Don't watch the trailer, even though we just spoiled it for you, but whatever. So we're in rural Texas and we see a mom sewing while singing a song about the trials and tribulation and what a friend we have in Jesus. Before we go on for a second, I thought we was watching the wrong movie. I thought I was watching Spill. I thought this was Eloise's little workshop. <laughs> All the time, I was irritated with her rendition of "Well, Friend We Have in Jesus." Ooh. I was not here for it. <laughs> I was not here for it. Tell them how you feel. And that was the very that was the very first thing I wrote. I was like, her rendition of "What a Friend We Have in Jesus" is not it. It's not it. So after a while, she hears bottles clanging in the distance, and she goes to check on her husband and write in her diary. So while she's writing in her diary, she hears a howling in the distance. And this scene just shows you how alone she is, because it, like, visibly shakes her up. So back in the barn, the bottles are making even more noise, and the goats are starting to sense this. Y'all know animals be the first ones that be on to something. The sound is coming more aggressive, and they start to panic. And did you see that? Please tell me you saw that. The people, the, the thing in the middle of the sheet. Girl, I was like, what the f- is that? Yeah. And it happened so quick that I didn't know if I really seen it. 
Yeah, that was the first thing I said, Well, so what the fuck is that in the middle of the sheet? Yeah, <laughs> I literally wrote that in big letters. So if you've seen movies like, and I guess you can eh, loosely compare this to The Exorcist, if you've seen the first one and they like flash Pazuzu's face at the end, but it's like, it's not too long, but this was like super quick. This was like blinking, you miss it. And then it's like, this movie also uses... This movie also does a good job at using its wide shots really well. So if you're not really looking in the right area, you can easily miss it too. So back in the kitchen, mom is chopping up onions and we hear a shuffling noise. Before that though, I'm thinking that the little contraption that was blocking the barn was either, I was thinking that it's to keep spirits out because it has like the horseshoe or whatever Mm -hmm. to alert. You think or so? maybe it was for wolves or coyotes or something. I don't know, but yeah. that's what I thought. Because no, you're right. Of- you're right. Well, okay, no, I'm not saying I don't know about the um, warding spirits away, because you could be on to something there, but you're right. It is for letting them know. It was still got in between the sheep, though. So I was like... Yeah, I feel like it was pretty close. Like, at story? that point, if you hear it at that point, that's kind of like, you know, zit. But back in the kitchen, mom is chopping up onions, and we hear a shuffling noise. A chair has been moved from under the table, but there's no one in sight to move it. As Johnny adds, yeah, she actually does turn around and notice it. It's one of those long shots. And yeah, because I didn't, when I was watching the movie, I didn't, I knew she heard something and she turned around, but I didn't realize that she turned okay. around because the chair was on the middle floor. I guess I didn't see that. It could be because it happens twice in the movie, and I'll point it out and you could tell me if, like, maybe that's what you were thinking of. So then we get our title card right here. Is this title card number one? It's Monday. Our- First off, I wish I could cut onions that perfectly. Okay, this is a safe place. Is it anybody else that's like, it's some vegetables you just can't cut the right way? And I say that in air quotes. I just cut it how I cut it. I'm the one eating it, so. I'd be afraid, because I don't just cook for myself, though, sometimes. Like, I'll cook for my parents or I cook for my brothers. And I feel like if the onions don't look right, somebody might not eat it. Yeah, okay, now that's there's some truth to that. But you know, my parents are the type that buy everything they see on TV, so I'm not gonna lie. I have like this little veggie cutting board, but it's like scissors, but it has like a cutting board, mini cutting board. It's pretty convenient. Oh my god. So my friend actually just got me a mandolin, I think, for Christmas. I haven't opened it yet because I haven't had to cut vegetables. I can't wait to open it. Catch us on our new IG page to see Johnny using her mandolin. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Anyway, it's Monday and Louise arrives to her mother, joined by a nurse, claiming her brother, Michael, has been there for the past couple of hours and that they shouldn't have come. This movie was jumping on a few of my nerves and I don't know if it was a bad thing because it was making me relate to the movie. And as I watched the movie, you know, if I relate to it, it's pretty cool with me. I have a gate like this in my house. So I have vivid memories of me having to come back home on college weekends and opening that gate, coming into the house in my little Toyota truck, similar but not the same one she has. But anyway, Louise catches up with Michael and Charlie who are fixing a flat tire. He's glad they're here for their parents, speaking of Charlie. And the siblings agree saying that their mom looks tired, but Louise point out that she actually looks like shit. Here we get another wide shot. I don't know if you can hear it. I don't think it was the chimes from the barn. I don't know if it was whispers. I don't know what it was, but you can hear some type of ominous sound in the back and you just get a wide shot of the field as Elise is just looking out at it. But you don't see anything there. 
Over a rather awkward dinner, the siblings try to make small talk with their mom, but eventually she says that it doesn't matter because their father said they need to keep working, so that's what they do. Michael, in an effort to try to calm her mother down, says everything's going to be okay, which triggers her. She says, I told you not to come. You guys never listened to me. Duke was greedy as fuck for eating the scraps off her plate. There was nothing left on that plate. But you see, you know what? When I was watching that the first time, that was making me kind of think that, like, they had a close relationship. Because you wouldn't just do that. You know what I'm saying? I point that out to say in a later scene, we find out that they're really not that close. Really nobody in the family is. But before I get to that, when Michael says everything is going to be okay and he triggers his mom, it made me think about another podcast that I listened to earlier. If you guys want to check it out, it's called um, Brian's World Podcast, talking about toxic positivity. And it kind of talks about how people try to just give you a buffer when things need to be okay. You know, sometimes things aren't all right. And the mom verbally tells the kids this by telling them that she told them not to come. They're not listening to her. I'll link it in the show notes. So after this blow up, we find the kids on the porch and they're, you know, assessing mom's behavior because obviously they don't know her to blow up like this. They aren't close because Michael and Louise, they start talking about if they're still at their current jobs, well, not current jobs, if they're still at the last jobs that they've known of, apologizing for not calling each other on birthdays and just discussing their faults and not having a relationship with their parents. It's revealed that Louise hasn't talked to her dad since her birthday, which was in May. And Michael, it's been about a year, but I don't really know if we know what time frame this is. I mean, we know this movie goes over a week, but do you, did you happen to catch if they tell us like what month it is or any type of, no, I didn't think so. I didn't catch one either. Heading back inside, Michael excuses himself to shower and Louise checks on her parents while making a round to the kitchen. And one thing I like to know here is the camera work. She's walking towards the kitchen and it's just one shot. And it's one shot all the way to the next jump cut of us hearing the door open. So she walks all the way through, checks on her parents. The camera continues to move even though she's stopped. And then she comes back around and follows with the camera to the kitchen sink. But the camera still continues to move until we hear the door creak. And that's when it cuts to her reaction to the door. And the movie will do that a lot, but I think that actually helps what makes it scary. We don't automatically see the scare. We see them react to it first. Similar to, once again, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Similar to The Shining when we would see Wendy react or we would see Danny react to something before they actually saw what it is. Even in The Babadook and... Of course, I know you hadn't seen it yet, but in that movie as well, we see a lot of them reacting to the horror before we see it. So it kind of like makes us want to know like, well, what's happening? What's going on? Turn the camera, turn the camera. Louise goes to check the door. And this is also the music cue I'm speaking of, Johnny. While she's going to check the door, we start to hear soft music. That's obviously the soundtrack, but we're also hearing the ambience of the room, which is the TV in the background, right? So she's going to check the door And did you notice that the TV, the tone of the voices, you're starting to not understand what the words are, but it's also starting to fall into a deeper, more demonic tone as she's like checking the door. Did you notice that? No, I didn't notice that. Obviously not right now, but go back and watch that scene. That was mainly the scene I was talking about with the music, because obviously we could have got a jump scare of her 
opening the door and nothing being there, but they didn't focus on that too much. It wasn't coercing us to be afraid of what was going to happen. It was kind of like we just went with it because that's not where the scary is. As she was walking to the door, we see that there's a shadow. And obviously it's not her mom. We know her dad is bedridden, so it's not him. She turns back around to go back to the kitchen and it's her mom's shadows now. And her mom has seen what happened. She's questioning her, but she brushes it off. But you know, mom knows. She knows something. I'm gonna say, I hate when they go look out the door when it's open. Like, yeah. why y'all being dumb? How did you not, how did you not see the shadows standing there in both situations? You think, now, okay, now I'm not gonna stunt. I see stuff out the corner of my eye, but I just don't be, That's I just don't thing. acknowledge it because I don't want to know. I don't look because I don't want to know. I just hope for the I best. look. Nine times out of ten, there's nothing there. Sometimes I mean, there I'm is, sure but most times there is. You know, I low key kind of believe in shadow people. So um, I got goosebumps. Yeah, let's stop. Anyway, uh, <laughs> people. Oh my gosh. They're not shadow people. <laughs> Whatever the is. Not in your peripheral, no. We got this scene with Mother and Michael. <laughs> Divert the conversation real quick. <laughs> anyway, Mother starts singing while she's cutting up some vegetables, and Michael suggests that she needs to get some sleep, but Mother only replies saying that they need to leave. You guys should leave. It's not what you think. So Michael, you know, seeing that his attempt failed, he leaves, and we come back, and she's still cutting on the carrot. And we, again, we hear the chair move, but this time, the camera stays focused on Mother's face, and she barely turns to even adjust it. She, like, turns, but she doesn't even fully turn over her shoulder. So as if she's in a trance, Mother continues the rhythm of cutting the carrot and eventually cuts her fingers. And it's one of those scenes where we don't know if she's going to do it or if she's not going to do it. But another movie, it reminds uh, me I knew not to slice that finger. I'm thinking, like, are they going to do a fake out like she didn't really do it? But before I continue, I want to go back. I was about to say that this scene remind me a lot of the scene in Carrie. It was very De Palma when Margaret was cutting the carrot and it just zoomed in on it. But it got me that vibe, but I just didn't know where the danger was going to go. Because when the scene starts and she's cutting the carrot, it flashes very quickly between her and the carrot. Once she cuts her appendages off, first of all, she cuts below the knuckles, the second knuckle at that. So it's really just a nub. And I say that because I want to point something out later. But then... She just minces the rest of the pieces that's already severed into pieces. More pieces. Yeah, I, like, I knew that she was going to accidentally slice her finger. You can tell by the way that the, the scene was progressing and why there was a close-up shot on her fingers. But her chopping up her fingers like that was OD. Like, I was not expecting that. I also I mean, want to know why it's cutting up vegetables in the middle of the night when everyone is asleep anywhere. Like, what are you doing? I know I be doing things in the middle of the night, but vegetables... Money, what? People do that. I thought that was so normal. No. <laughs> I felt that that was, like, so normal for a mom just to be, like, prepping vegetables or prepping some type of food, like, at night. Like, when you just got time mm -hmm. to do it to yourself. Like, that seemed normal to me. You probably just don't do that. It's okay. Different folks. My mama ain't do it either. Different folks. Different strokes. Okay, just because your mom, that's your family. You don't know what your neighbor's doing. It's probably them people next to you right now. Somebody probably, what time is it? It ain't that late, but they might be doing it. They might be meal prepping. 
Mm-mm. I meal prep on Sunday. That's you. <laughs> no preps on Sundays. <laughs> we cut to a Tuesday title card where the siblings notice the trail of blood and they instantly start searching for their mother. We find out that the mother hung herself in the barn where, you know, we spent a lot of time with the goats and the little demonettes up in there. The moment Louise noticed her is heartbreaking. Our view is from the barn, but we don't quite see um, mother hanging yet. But the camera is slowly starting to pull out as we see Louise running around, kind of in the background. As she gets closer and she just freezes and looks at her, that's when it starts to pull out and we see her. The two cut her down and we notice that Louise brings over a tub so they can actually get the leverage to bring it down. And it cuts straight into our Wednesday title card. I actually liked how the sheep jumped out right at, jumped out the barn at the right time. And busted yeah. to the and stuff. Just imagine trying to do that with all of them in a way. When we cut to our Wednesday title card, they're sitting at the table and we keep getting a close-up of that same chair that kept sliding out. Did you notice that? And it would jump cut to it. Kind of like, once again, how- I noticed the close-up of the chair, but I was just thinking that the close-up of the chair was because that's where the mom sat and she was dead now. Yeah, I can see how you could take it like that. I just noticed that it was that same exact chair that kept being pushed out. So arriving late to her shift, the nurse shares her condolences, offerings, she makes them a roast, and continues to tell the mother's condition before, you know, all this stuff went down. She said that she was seemingly speaking to the dad, but after a while, it was evidently clear that she was whispering to another person. She continues to give them options for care for their father, and Louise agrees to stay there and watch over her dad, provided the nurse will be around in the morning. Later on, exploring her mother's studio area, Louise discovers a wedding dress her mom had been working on for her. I thought that was so sad. And that dress was so pretty. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, never mind. Maybe she ain't noticed it, never mind. Yeah, Maybe. I didn't notice it. <laughs> It was kind of like that prom light blue, almost like a Tiffany blue, but very, very satiny faded color. And it had a little embellishment around the waist. It was very cute, very simple. After a short work montage, Louise, Michael, and Charlie, on their way back to the house, stop along. I don't know really what they were looking at. I was trying to figure out what that was. I don't know if it was like an old family pet that was buried or something. Do you know what that was that they were looking at before they got in the argument? No, I couldn't tell what was up there. And then I rewinded to look at it and it looked like scraps of stuff. Yeah. And so then I'm like, what was she bringing up there? Sheep? Like, was she sacrificing yeah, I was the sheep? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, anyway, a small argument happens between Michael and Louise talking about how they should have embraced her mom and actually listened to what she had been saying. I won't say this close to home, but I can imagine that process is very stressful, especially, especially when you're trying to find answers for something you had no awareness on. And I just like how after the argument is very short and simple, it's not too dramatic, it's not too dry. I like the embrace between Charlie and Louise. Like it doesn't have to be too dramatic, it's just an understood, I know you need somebody right now and we move on. And I feel like they do that really well with this movie. A lot of scenes we don't have to dwell on. I'll point some more out later, but I feel like they do a good job of making background scenes exactly background scenes and not overdone. 
Later on that night, while in the shower, the door creaks open. Louise, thinking it's Michael, asks him to leave. Pulling back the curtain, she sees her dad and is scared shitless. And this scared the crap out of me. This was also in the trailer. But one thing I will say I didn't like was the little CG shaking head thing. I feel like they should have just revealed him, then showed her falling to the floor, then cut back to him pissing himself, and then back to her screaming, Dad's in here! And then that would have been it. I didn't need that CG head. That jump scare was the only jump scare that got me out the whole movie. I kind of figured that they might fake us out. Maybe. You might be right. The movie might have shocked me more than it scared me, but I don't know, because after I watched it the first time, I was thinking about it for a little bit, and I had to walk around with a flashlight, because I wasn't trying to see stuff that I was imagining I was seeing. Anyway, cowering in the corner of the shower, she yells for help as Michael comes, revealing that Dad hasn't moved. He's been in his bed the whole time. Not knowing what to believe, Louise denies communication and dismisses the situation as stupid and goes back out on the porch. Joining her, Michael comes across mom's diary and despite Louise again declining communication, shares what was on the very last page. I know he's there in the darkness. Help me, help me, please. He's killing David. He can't breathe anymore. There's nothing I can do to stop it. Devil, devil, devil. He wants David's soul. And here, I like how they don't make, once again, they don't make a big deal out of it. You just see the reaction on Louise's face. You see Michael just staring out into the blank open. And then we cut to another title card, a Thursday. So now the two, I don't think they're in the barn where she hung herself. I actually think they're like at that work site. I'm not too sure where they were because the mannequins were there too. So they might've been at the barn, like in her little studio or whatever. Michael questions, how did she even hang herself? How did she get up there? The cops say that she used the tub to hang herself, but we all clearly saw that it wasn't moved until Louise brought it over. And also you got to consider, and this is why I said that she cut her appendages below the knuckle. How was she able to grip the rope and tie it if she cut off her appendages? Now, I know she only cut them off on one hand, but to tie a rope like that and do all that, no, you need a little more grip than just this bottom half of your finger. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Your thumb, like, I don't, look. No discrimination, but if there's somebody out there that can help us enlighten me on how this can be done, I'm just asking. So that I'm agreeing with the siblings and raising questions. I'm trying to figure out how she did this herself. Louise begins to read another entry out of the diary. The voice is in my head, his voice. He makes me want to die. I locked the door, but he came inside the room. I want David to wake up. I grab his hand. I squeeze it. I wake up, then we hear Michael telling her to stop because th this is a lot, honestly. She continues, that sound, so many miles. He climbs on the bed, he hurts David. I can hear him. Again, he asks her to stop, she doesn't. I see him, he, he laughs. He laughs at me, he kills me. I'm already dead, I'm dead. On to the coroner's office, they're given a bag that's filled with what the coroner recognizes as Sunday school crosses. I've never gotten these in Sunday school, so I was not familiar. The coroner telling them that she must have collected them, but they disclosed that she couldn't have because she doesn't go to church. 
Then we get a nice little shot of her amputated left hand. Back at home while getting dad ready for bed, he begins to cough. Eventually the cough turns into hacking as a spider comes out of his mouth. And I did not like this little CG spider, especially when she started trying to catch it and she wasn't even like nowhere near it. <laughs> okay, I'm being picky, but still, it's just like, you know, like we couldn't get a real spider. Nobody had a pet spider at home. I don't know anybody with a pet spider, so let me not stunt. Anyway, Michael overhearing the noise, asks Louise about it. Again, she tries to write it off to him, but she knows exactly what she saw. In the kitchen, Michael turns in for bed, and while at the sink, Louise spots a stain left of her mother's blood under the sink stopper, and it's almost dried up. It's kind of sad when you think about it because she has to clean it up herself, but I guess one thing I learned, and you probably know this, Janae, did you know if something happens in your house and it just happens to be a bloodbath outcome, you know you're responsible of cleaning that up? Mm -hmm. You know, I did not know this until like a few months ago when I was listening to some creepypasta. Yeah, you gotta clean it up. That's traumatizing. Mm -hmm. It were probably worse than what they've had to clean up, but still it's just a lot. Yeah, the police ain't gonna come clean that shit up. And see, right here, I put a little note that I didn't think the music was too harsh on this scene as well, but I don't know if you remember it. No, the only music part that I remember is when it's coming up, actually. Okay. I'm excited. I just want to, I'm excited to see what it is. Michael is awoken by the lights being turned on. Getting up to check it out, he sees nothing, turns the lights off, and gets back into bed, only to have the lights turned back on. This time, staying under the covers, like a smart man, he scopes the room looking for possible answers. Going to turn the lights off again, he looks out the window, seeing nothing, then another window across the room, seeing his mother smiling and levitating, then hearing her singing, but the sound's coming from behind him. As he turns around to turn back on the light, we get a jump scare of mother off to the right of him, illuminated by the window. Once he turns on the light, she appears behind him, but isn't there once he turns around. He turned that light on because he was scared. <laughs> no, he was definitely scared, but I feel him. But no, that's the music part that I didn't like. When he decided to look out the window, mm -hmm. that's the part, the music part that I didn't like. And I knew he was going to see his, somebody out there. I'm going to listen to it again. On to our Friday title card. Louise wakes up to lipstick all over her face. And time out. I thought she was scratched up. I didn't know that was lipstick. Yeah, I didn't realize that was lipstick. And so after she pulled back the covers and saw that it was a lipstick thing. Right. And so I did, also didn't think that it was real. Because you know how sometimes they be seeing shit and they be looking in the mirror and they face all scratched up and they're like, oh my God. And they try to wash their face Dang. and they look up and nothing was ever there. So that's what, that's what I thought it was. Exact same. I thought they were going to give us a fake out too. When she, as you said, when she does this, she imagines that her dad couldn't have done it, but it's like, who else would have put all this lipstick on her face? So she gets a scare from the phone and we cut to a wide shot of her reacting to it. When she goes to answer it, and Johnny, you can help me out here, sis. When you answer a phone, should I be hearing a disconnected message if I ain't call nobody? Is that not correct? Because when she picks up the phone, she gets a... Uh, the number you have dialed has been disconnected or blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that's not how that works. I miss that. This is Friday? This is right, okay. This is right after the lipstick scare, the little lipstick ordeal. The phone rings. 
and we see her looking at the phone. She goes to answer the phone and when she picks it up, it says the number you have dialed has been disconnected or blah, 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 blah. She yeah, hangs up I the phone. That. I missed that. So she hangs up the phone, but she picks it up again and she says, hello. And we hear her mom told y'all not to come and she hangs it up and freaks out. No, I got that part. But the first this happens part. right before that. Yeah, I'm literally right before it. Yes. Well, still, you can answer the question. Is that supposed to happen? I don't think that's supposed to happen like that. It depends on if there's another phone off the hook in the house. Hmm. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up. Michael comes home to a priest who seems to know him, handing him a cross, the same one mother had in her pocket. Later on in the house, the priest talks to the siblings, but we cut to him reading the diary. I won't know if it's them. I hear their voices. They call. What if it's a lie? He won't stop. They will die. They were dead already. Spiders on my face like tears. And as soon as he says this, we get a shot of Louise and we realize that she really wasn't tripping and that spider was real. But it's just a slight confirmation. He claims mother was scared and all alone when he began to see her. But in all, he was here for her and wanted to meet the siblings eventually knowing how much the mother loved them. Denying his help, Michael maintains that it's the priest's fault for pushing his religion onto their mom. Louise and Michael consider these thoughts, considering the diary entries have just progressed wildly, and the ideas have to have come from the priest because their mom nor the entire family believes in God. The priest continues, you think the wolf cares if you believe he's a wolf? Not if he finds you alone in the woods. Still convinced that this is seemingly his fault, Michael asks the priest to leave. The priest continues pushing his button. And I like this scene because once we, obviously you've seen the movie at this point, we realize that this is actually a manifestation of the devil. And it's kind of clever that we think he's the priest, but once you think about what he's saying, it's pretty dark. He says, she needed someone. I think you both know that now. She was alone. They both were. I didn't do that. I helped. And then once he says, yes, I did, it's even more creepy. It's just like, damn, once you think about it, he really aided in ending this family. But putting his hat on, the priest asks about the father, saying he thinks about him a lot. Michael, testing the priest again, asks him if he believes the devil is out here and is given an answer that shakes him up. The priest says, you think she's crazy because she saw a wolf? He's not out here. He's already here. And with that, he leaves. And the way they frame him with the light from the door frame and the natural lighting in the house, you just know that like something's not right. I didn't know if I really suspected he was the devil the first watch. I still thought that he might be the priest that probably like gets killed because he's a priest. But uh, that, scene, that scene really just made me freak out a little bit. Anyway. Later that night, Louise heads out to the barn, but we cut in on a conversation between Michael and his wife, Becky. He's telling her what a mess this has been and saying he has no one left, which is very rude because you have your sister and your dad. And then he was like, well, I just really don't feel anything anymore. That is so rude. I mean, if you don't have a, real, if you don't have a good relationship with your sibling, of course you won't say that. Still. I guess I can't say that because I'd be the first one to be like, no, that. Back to Louise, seeing the remains of the rope used in her mother's hanging. With her mother's diary in hand, Louise begins to read. In this scene, when she starts to read the diary, 
is that somebody behind her or is that like a bucket? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, when she was in the barn? No, now, not the scene that we're about to get into when she first starts reading and she's like, he, he is watching. And we get a shot of her in like the bottom right corner. But if you look over to the left, it looks like someone's standing behind her. I don't know. So it's just a little something. It might be a bucket, but it might be just meant to look like somebody's there. I'm not really sure if it's a person because later they do this scene again and it's actually a person there. I'll point it out later. But anyway, she says, he he is watching. He's wait. Shit. Anyway, she continues to read the diary. He, he is watching. He waits. He is everywhere. The bottle suddenly began clanging, startling Louise. And while her back is turned, her own shadow transforms into a different shape and continues to grow over. But I really like that she didn't turn around and see it. But then I also don't know if she saw something in front of her. <laughs> so it's kind of like you don't know what to even like be scared of. And that's what I think this movie does well. And I know I keep saying that you probably can gauge where my rating is going to go. But this movie cleverly scared me, especially because I watched this like at 11 o'clock at night. It was super dark. It was a lot going on. It was a vibe. Anyway, <laughs> on the porch, Louise tries to convince Michael that mother wasn't crazy. And Michael finally confesses what he saw last night, but knows that that wasn't their mom that he saw. Later, hearing a wolf in the distance and eventually scratching at the door, approaching the door, Michael swings it open to the priest standing down at the steps, telling them to come outside. First of all, those are fighting words. Don't do that. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. What are you doing? But also, why you didn't knock on my door? Why are you scratching on my door? Why and then you it's kind of like... You're standing at the door. Then it's just kind of like, why would you answer the door? If someone's scratching at your door and I pull back the blinds and I see somebody standing down at the bottom of the stairs, who's scratching the door? <laughs> Thinking fast, Louise grabs a flashlight, revealing his eyes are white and that he is in fact not real. The phone rings, causing two things to happen here. Both of them look back, taking their eyes off the priest, which is a no-no, because when they turn back around, the priest is nowhere to be found. Continuing to ring, Michael instructs Louise not to answer the phone, but instead she heads towards it and unplugs it. I kind of thought she was going to answer it, but I really didn't know what she was going to do. Whole time, it's Charlie trying to desperately get a hold of them. For trying to help the siblings, the devil begins on Charlie, making him hallucinate a badly sliced up Louise, who continues to slice herself as she taunts Charlie for bringing them out towards their parents and ultimately causing all of their deaths. Overridden with guilt, he turns the gun on himself and commits suicide. I didn't like this, um, not Lori. I didn't like this, Louise. I understand it had to look like that because they like cut frames out to make it like glitch in front of him. But it looked like this was like a green screen person in front of like a... I didn't like it because it was weird. Like The only thing I liked was, of course, once again... When he first sees it, it's like down on the ground and then it slowly rises up and we don't know what it is yet. But once it's revealed, I was just like, because at first I didn't even know if it was Louise. I'm like, is that supposed to be her? 
Yeah, I didn't know who that was. I just thought it was a random lady until then she started getting closer. Then I was like, oh, that's supposed to be Louise. Yeah, I'm thinking like they about to tell us that he like did some dirty stuff in the past and the ghost is coming to haunt him. I'm like, okay, no, please don't do that. But they didn't do that. As we know, it is Louise. It just looks very, very bad. Title card to Saturday. Before the title card, that mm-hmm. whole scene right there with him, with the him blowing his brains out. Then this is when the movie started reminding me of Bird Box. A Bird Box? Mm-hmm. Hell. Because it convinced him to blow his brains out. Like, what do you That's think? the devil. Like, the devil made her cut her fingers off. I don't know about the hanging herself part. I still don't. I'm not convinced that she hung herself. But That's why I'm like, this is starting to remind me of Bird Box. Because what happened in Bird Box? They open their eyes and then all of a sudden they start killing themselves i think vaguely yes it's the same rhetoric but i think here it's the devil so i mean the devil can overcome people and possess them like bird box we don't know what the fuck that was we have no idea what that was (laughs) at least here we know it's like a demonic entity and we know how that works so title card to saturday again they're assessing the events of last night mind you is some stuff they don't know about. They mentioned that they haven't heard from Charlie in two days. They also suggest taking dad to a hospital, not wanting him to stay in the house. Oh, now and you want to take him to the hospital. Right. Ending the conversation, Michael goes back to release the goats. Meanwhile, Louise calls Father Thorne, and he insists that he doesn't know who she is, nor did he visit them yesterday in Texas, because he's never been to Texas. In fact, he's in Chicago, and he doesn't even know who Virginia Strakery is. That's the mom, by the way. However, he does have a daughter named Louise, and in fact, Louise sounds just like her. His daughter died. She killed herself. He continues saying the similarities between Louise and his Louise, and this kind of freaks her out, and she just hangs up. That phone call confused the hell out of me. (laughs) That's what I'm... I want to talk about that, but I'm going to talk about another scene next. And then I was like, so is her daddy not her daddy? Was that the devil messing with her? Because if he's saying, like, obviously, if he's saying, I did not meet y'all yesterday, I've never been there. And we know now that the priest was actually a manifestation of the devil. That's why that whole scene took on a whole meeting, because the whole time the devil was sitting with y'all in y'all living room saying how he helped your mom kill herself, basically yeah yeah so that's why i'm like she's realizing now that he wasn't even there when they thought he was there right but then he was like yeah but my daughter killed herself and i'm like okay that may be foreshadowing but maybe her daddy's not her daddy and i feel that now you lose me there but i was thinking that maybe they was foreshadowing her killing herself i do or that her daddy's not her daddy and that the mother could have said oh yeah, my daughter died. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you thinking they about to pull a um, Diane Sherman? They snatching babies. Maybe. Finishing a routine checkup, the doctor asks about any changes since the siblings have been around and proceeds to tell them he probably, speaking of the dad, that he probably wouldn't make it to the highway because of how quickly his health is declining and he can't sign off on the papers that the siblings are asking for. After the doctor leaves, Michael and the nurse have a little conversation, and the nurse tells Michael that the worst thing, in her opinion, is for a person to die alone. People need love. She continues to tell him that she can see the fear in them and also feel the fear in the house. 
Although they don't believe in God, she does, and she knows that there are horrible things in the world that comfort whoever they want. But also there's love here, and the soul needs love to keep it safe. Next, we cut to this scene of a three-legged goat just hobbling by. And at first, I really didn't even notice it only had three legs until I started paying attention to it. And then we see it's a whole field full of slaughtered goats. Yeah. Michael notices the goat. He's going to, like, put it out of his misery and just snaps his neck. I like that they don't show it to us. I like that they just instantly cut to the field of goats, like them walking up through the goats. I just want to know what killed them all. Because Louise points out that it couldn't have been wolves. Wolves wouldn't do it like this because it is a massive amount of goats slain out in the field. And I'm mad that this is... Have I been saying sheep or goats this whole time? It doesn't matter. Oh. I mean, they're not the same animal, but people, you guys know what we're talking about. <laughs> I was like, I, on IG. I thought it was sheep. <laughs> but I thought it was goats. Cause I, no, they were saying goats because little baby goat, little bat. Yeah, that's a goat sound, ain't it? Is no, that a sheep? sheep. Bye, sheep. No, it was a goat. That was bye, a goat. Bye, little black sheep. No, it was a goat because I make a note about how that rhyme. I make a note about one of them doing something, and I made a note about the cute little baby goat that we're going to see in a few seconds. But anyway, Michael vocally says again that he has to call up another doctor in town to move dad. And Louise repeats once again that she told us not to come. Then we go to this beautiful scene of Michael throwing the carcasses into this, like, burning fire. And I'm kind of wondering, like, did that, like, okay, this could be a stretch. You know how you, like, make offerings do you think this brought the devil closer them like throwing all those goat carcasses into the fire into the fire no i thought it was so that it wouldn't like it okay so if you have a farm i mean not the logical sense that you would do that i'm just talking about vaguely no okay i just thought that they were doing it to so that the just to maintain coyotes and uh wolves wouldn't come and eat the dead yeah. bodies and then yeah, get i know the literal sense i think i was just letting my imagination run wild there they say that there are maybe about five goats left that michael remains that he can't let them die he asked louise to stay behind because dad needs somebody there with him so apparently what happened is the nurse's conversation basically got to him he addresses that he knows the nurse wanted him to feel something but now he just wants to forget about everything I have a note here. I don't know if you caught this. Um, I don't know if it happens right here exactly. We have Louise looking at her mom's diary again, and we can like clearly see that it says he's coming. I don't know if that happens right here. I think so. Doesn't matter. We get the cutest little baby goat, and then we so, get a. Okay, I had to Google it. Mm -hmm. There was both sheep and goats in this movie. Because <laughs> I was about to keep her up at night. It was. This one bothered me. While Michael is tending to the new baby goat, we get a call from Becky and the bottles start clanging wildly. Drawing his switchblade, he yells to banish whatever he thinks is out there. The music fades as we hear a mother singing in the distance, appearing naked from the shadows into the barn, backing him into the wall. She disappears as Michael opens his eyes to an empty barn. But Mother spooks him from behind as he falls and begins to slit his throat, but is able to fight it off. This is the part I was talking about. I knew that there was a goat. As we said, it's both in the movie. But after this scene where he fights himself and he's looking up, like trying to figure out what happened, he's in the middle of the screen. But when you look off to the right, 
there's a goat and I guess it's the one that just gave birth but it's like illuminated in red but it's just looking dead at the camera it's pretty freaky we're probably all looking at Michael so it's like if you're not paying attention to the goat you really don't notice it but if you watch movies like paranormal activity or any found footage movies where you have to pay attention to stuff in the background I think it's just natural for you to do that at this point or Johnny I think you would even do that because you watch shows where you say you have to watch the background yeah, which is why jump scares don't really scare me no more, <laughs> because nine times out of ten, I can already see what's in the background. Like in the beginning of the movie, when she went to go to the door, and like you oh. see the little weird guy or whatever in the, the shadows, mm-hmm. and like the mom being in the shadows. So it's like, I kind of automatically look to the shadows now, just because of the show that I watch on Netflix. Yeah. So now Michael, back in his room, you could tell something is like rattling on in his head as he fingers his switchblade. Meanwhile, Louise and dad are sleeping in the room as a shadow begins to enter and eventually climbs onto the bed. Increasing growls and looming fear wakes Louise, who turns over to her dad missing from his spot. She turns back on her back only to hear him gasping from air from the ceiling, Babadook style. That one got me. I heard the sound, so I knew he was about to be on the ceiling, but it's something about us once again seeing her react to him. Because I guess I didn't know if we were just going to see him Was it going to be New Nightmare style and we actually see the demon and him or just the demon up there? You don't know what you're going to see yet. But anyway, she scares stiff until a voice snaps her out of it yelling, get away. And we cut to a title card of Sunday. But what makes this title card different from all the other ones is we still hear her breathing from Saturday. Oh, I guess it is Saturday. We still hear her breathing from the night before into the morning. Finally waking up, she checks her dad and she notices the scars on his neck. And looking for Michael, there's a knock at the door that makes her audibly react to it. A young lady outside, introducing herself as Charlie's granddaughter, comes to tell Louise about Charlie's passing two nights ago and gives her condolences to the family. Hearing her father cough, Louise invites the girl in. And at first it seems like the girl doesn't wanna come in, but she comes in anyway. And then she asks, creepily, by the way, if Louise... No, she, oh, yeah. Well, okay, never mind. She asks if Louise can smell him. She can, too. He's close now. He's rotting. Louise begins to realize what's happening, runs to check in on Dad, then back out to an empty room. Again, it's like, again, why take your eyes off of what's happening? I know they realize that these are hallucinations at this point and that they aren't real, but it's still, I don't know, because I don't know how I would react to myself, but I feel like I wouldn't take my eyes off of the thing that's supposed to be scaring me. We get a well-done jump scare. Louise comes out and doesn't see the young girl. The young girl's behind her, still taunting her. Louise falls to the floor, and then the scare of the girl appearing right next to her, but her eyes are blacked out. I like that one a little bit, but I can also tell that the girl that played this part, she had fun doing that part. She said, look, I know I'm only in this movie for about three minutes, but I'm gonna make it the best three minutes. Arriving late again, the nurse immediately sensing the negative energy, lights a candle, sitting it on the nightstand. Blowing up his phone, Louise learns that Michael has left her to take care of dad alone telling her his family is what's important right now and telling her dad is gone. This can't be changed and she needs to save herself while she can. I was wondering when he was going to leave. I knew he was always going to leave. He seemed like the most stable one. Really? Yeah. I never saw him staying. I wouldn't stay. As Louise is having a full meltdown, the nurse is overhearing this. 
as she's overhearing it, I couldn't tell if she was laughing or if she was starting to frown. No, like, she, I was trying to figure it out. It was like a twisted one. So yeah. Yeah, like she started smiling like she was evil, and I fully expected her for oh, keep going. No, I'm with you. I was trying to figure out was it a smile, but then was she having a moment of realizing that she was like being taken over? Because she starts hearing whispers. I knew it was a sinister smile. And right. I was like, well, keep going so I could tell you. <laughs> okay. What? So hearing later on, we hear screams and Louise runs into her dad's room. She stops, but the camera continues to move. And we see that the nurse has actually stabbed herself in the cheek and then continues to tap continues to stab herself in the abdomen and then full-on attacks Louise, knocking her unconscious. Okay, so I thought that she was going to go out there and kill her once, you know, she started smiling sinisterly. I and did too. you saw the, the, those knitting needles. I thought mm -hmm. she was going to go out there and kill her. Same. I didn't think she was going to sit there and stab herself. I didn't. Same. Then the nurse continues to drag Louise out while praying, claiming to hear and feel the presence of Jesus then continues on stabbing herself in both eyes, holding her hands up, smiling, and eventually falling over, dying. Michael, eventually making it home, hearing a record playing, but the house is otherwise quiet. We get scenes of like people's rooms, and you can clearly tell that people have been here, but where are the people? Calling Becky's phone and hearing it ring, he follows the sound until he walks in to find the girls murdered by Becky, who has also slit her own throat. Overwhelmed by the gruesome sight, Michael slits his own throat only to find out he has hallucinated the entire scene. And as he bleeds out, Becky and the girls walk in finding his body. Dumbass. I knew something wasn't right. What reason would she have to just do that? It just didn't make sense to me. I was like, so did this happen to her after she called him? Mm -hmm, exactly. Like, I'm like, so in my head, if you know that you've been seeing hallucinations, what would make you think that this made any type of sense? I understand he was probably already in deep thought. He was probably very vulnerable. So by the time he's seen all this, it was just a lot to handle. But I'm like, you had time to react and assess the situation. Back at the house, the phone rings in rhythm with dad's breathing, bringing Louise back to consciousness. When she gets up and she's looking at her dad, did you see the priest in the background standing right there? No, you didn't see it. John Day, okay, so she's sitting there. Obviously, the dad's in the bed. He can't get up. She's looking at him and she's like, um, I got to get out of here or something like that. Like she's saying something. I can't really remember what she's saying. She's right in the screen, but the, pre yeah. the priest is behind her, but he's like faded out. Like if this was a portrait mode photo, he's the portrait mode that's blurred out. But his shit, I swear I'm not crazy. He's right there. She exits the house. And poor thing. She like falls down the stairs, like crashes onto the ground. She hears her father's coughing and knows she just can't leave him alone. Returning, she starts to hear Michael call her name, but realizes it's all in her head when the sounds begin to mix. Oh, wait, yes, I did see the priest in the background. Okay. See, see, because I'm like, okay, now the first time when she was reading the diary, I didn't really know if that was a person or if it was just like a bucket, because we're in the barn, you know, sheets, goats, food, all of that supplies. But this time I knew that that was a person. <laughs> 
Anyway, protecting her father, the candle flame finally dies out and she witnesses her dad pass on. Without a moment to soak in what just happened, she too begins to hear her mother singing. Enticed by this, the devil, in the form of her dad, gets her as well. And that is the end of our movie. Oh, and we get an end title. But it's so funny because like, you didn't even see her dad do it. You saw a little weird guy's face. I didn't know who it was. I was looking, but you know, her dad had a little bit the, of white hair. No, it was the same person who was on top of the father when she was having that nightmare and the same person who was in between the sheep and the barn. Got you. I thought you were um, saying it was the priest. I was like, no, wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see what you mean now. Yeah, because when she was in the bed and she was freaking out, there was a dude on top of her father. I don't think we've seen him, though. I think, I know we've seen the shadow. Now, okay, with that scene, I thought it was trying no. to make us think. Hold on, wait, wait. Stay with me real quick. With that scene, I thought they were trying to initially make us think that it was Michael because we had just seen him sitting on the bed with the switchblade. When the shadow comes in, we see a shadow with a blade. And I knew it wasn't going to be Michael. I knew it was going to be a hallucination, but I didn't know who it was. I knew it was whoever the mom was talking about he comes in and he's on top of David and he's hurting him. But you're right, it is that guy. Because when that first jump scare happened with the whole sheep thing, I actually went back and paused it and looked at him. And yeah. so he popped up a couple times. Yeah. So yeah, that's so at the end, that wasn't her father who got up and like whispered in her ear. It was the dude. Yeah. That spit in her ear. Whispered. Oh. I didn't know if she was clenching her jaw or was it like pressure from like him, like caving her face in. Do you know what I'm talking about? In that whole bedroom scene? Oh, I didn't catch that. It could have been because I was, it was really dark where I was watching it. So like, it just seemed like as the tension was building in the room, her face was kind of like caving in, but I didn't know if she was, you know, people nervously clench their jaw and you just start to see like, yeah the muscles working i can tell which one it was but overall this movie as we talked about earlier with the title cards i really like that it does help you think like damn like all it has happened within a week we basically start on a sunday because the first title card we get is on that monday and this goes all the way to sunday again like this is a whole week's worth of unfortunate events shout out to lemony snicket it's a lot to handle. You got, what? I was about to count all the deaths, but then I guess you got to count the whole cast. Everybody dies in the end. Yeah, basically. Although I don't know if this will be a movie that I watch often as I do others. I do think this is one of the scarier ones that we've watched this month. What do you think? I didn't think it was scary. You didn't think it was scary? No. Is it because you like took breaks and like you was watching it at work? Was it the atmosphere? I don't know. I didn't think it was scary. I thought that this one was very scary. I thought the tension was held pretty well. In my opinion, I know you have a different opinion from me, but in my opinion, I don't think the music ruined it too much. I actually think it helped more. But I also, once again, love the camera direction and angles. Like that we saw the reaction of the people before we saw the scare. If there was something I didn't like, it was just the CG moments, like the little head shaking the spider. But other than that, this was a pretty solid movie. So um, you want to go to the souvenir shop with me? It's not too much up in there, but I mean, you know. It seems you survived. Well, before you go, join us in the souvenir shop.
So for this movie, I only found about three posters. This one, by the way, I know I didn't mention earlier, but this one is a Shudder exclusive. If you don't know what Shudder is, and Netflix for horror movies. And this is not a sponsored ad, but if they would like to sponsor me, go ahead and do that. Basically, you can watch whatever they have available. This one happens to be one of their movies that they acquired. It wasn't a Shudder exclusive originally. They just happened to purchase it around... November. I think it was around the film festival circuit in August. But anyway, back to the posters. The first one we get, we just see the house. There's a tree in front of it and we see the mom levitating, kind of similar to what Michael saw outside the window. And there's a tagline that says, she told you not to come. The next one is pretty much the same thing, still the red and black theme. We have the floating mom, but this time we see her outside of the front door. And then the final one that I have for this one is an upside down cross that has, what's the name of that fan thing? The windmill? Is that a windmill? This thing? That is not a windmill. What is that thing called? Um, it's not what I want to say it is because I just Googled what I thought it was. It's it's an old school wind turbine. So it's not a windmill. <laughs> it's not the same thing. I mean, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what the picture is. It's the upside down cross, which we all knows what that means. This one in particular kind of reminds me of. Okay, so the only reason why I'm sorry, the only reason why I don't say it's a windmill is because windmills are normally for to mill grain. And it's not attached to, like, something like this. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So normally windmills grind up grain. And that one is more like a standalone. It doesn't have nothing at the bottom of it. So that's why I said it's more like a wooden wood, wood turbine because that's used to um, capture energy from the wind. I get you. Also, windmills have been used to, to pump water, too. So... I did not know that. Yes. Hmm. Well, maybe you guys can tell us what this is. We'll post this on our new Instagram page. We have a new Instagram. You can follow us at D180 Podcast. You know, we're new here, so just show us some love. Jane, I don't know if you see anything in the souvenir shop, but do you want to tell us about the budget? I don't see what the budget is, but for the box office, it was 419000 $91. That's what it earned at the global box office. So I figured that's not too bad considering, you know, 2020. But uh, speaking of 2020, Dark and the Wicked is the fourth movie that we've seen in our Bye Bye 2020 theme month. We have one more movie left. We'll talk about that later. The ratings for the movie is they got a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb, a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 72 on Metacritic. So, John A. How do you rank The Dark and the Wicked? I give it a 60. Ah, oh, tell me why. In detail, please. Explain to the class. I didn't really like it. Like, it didn't really capture my attention. Mm -hmm. Only because, I guess I don't like when movies, at the end of a movie like this, everybody does. 
Mm-hmm. I hate when everybody does. But you wanted them happy ending people. You need a happy ending. No, I don't need a happy ending. But like... Because don't you think it would have been more messed up if one of them lived and they had to live with the guilt that everybody else died and they survived? No. I just... I, don't, I, I just... I mean, I'm not trying to guilt you into giving it a higher score. I'm just... Oh, I'm not going to give it a higher score. I just don't like it. It didn't, it didn't like it. Well, we obviously can see that I like this movie a lot. I appreciated the camera angles. I appreciated a lot of the music cues. I thought that Louise's, um, the young lady who plays her, Marin, I can't remember her last name right now, but Marin, I thought her acting was very great. Um, especially when it comes to, as I said before, their reactions, because they have to sell it to us that we actually need to be scared of something. So with that... Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't scared at all. Maybe that's why I gave it a 60. I, so his house, I gave his house a 62. That was the first movie about by 2020. And I basically kind of like have the feelings, the same feelings about The Dark and the Wicked as I did his house. I didn't really like it. I think it was beautifully shot, but I gave his house a 74. And you know, I can understand what you mean, but for me, I'm going to give The Dark and the Wicked a 90. I'm not rating, we are not rating against the movies. This is not like at the end of the month, we say like, this one was number one and this one was number two. No, it's not like that at all. We literally judge it on its own merit based off of what we like. Like John A is into a certain type of movie. I'm into a certain type of movie. So just so you guys aren't like, well, how did you rate this over it and this and that? It's all personal opinion. So for this... I give it a 90 because usually stuff doesn't scare me. Stuff does not linger with me and have me walking around the house like with a flashlight, except for when it's super dark and I just can't see because I need glasses. But anyway, um, I feel like out of what I've seen so far for 2020 movies in general, not just the ones that we're doing on the podcast, this was probably one of the scariest ones that I've seen. <laughs> this was not scary. <laughs> Y'all know me, like it takes a lot to hear me. I want to talk about Oh that. yeah. I just if y'all want to know how I rate movies, I rate movies based off of how it makes me feel. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't do like the cinematography, the music, the acting. You gotta I, consider all of that. That's how the rating goes. You have to consider it all around. Well, I mean, I guess it's fair to your feelings <laughs> the music, but I'm saying you can't like just discredit all of that. Like, it's kind of like, I feel like... Put it, this like it was cool, but I just saying, wasn't a fan. No, 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 no. When you say that, you make me think like, okay, if I gave you a score sheet for a movie, you just like said, fuck all these boxes. I'm just filling out this box. Here you go. But see, okay, so I can understand if we had a criteria that we were judging off of. No, like, it's not no set criteria. Like, I would expect you to consider all of that. Now, if you're just a person that doesn't care about that, then that's different. Yeah, I don't really care about that. Yeah, see, I am. See, I'm into, like, the mood and the atmosphere because I feel like it contributes to the movie. Yes, I f- and that, that atmosphere and the mood of the atmosphere helps contribute to how some people feel about the movie. It helps create feeling. Like, that mood and atmosphere made you feel scared. It didn't right. make you feel scared. No, I'm saying when you <laughs> first said it, you said that you don't count the music and blah 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 which is no i'm saying like i don't like no i understand what you're saying now but i'm just saying when you first said it that's how you said it so that's why that's what made me 
go on a small rant of trying to figure out in the grand scheme of things i see what you're saying but no 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 it's never that serious but anyway people we have one more movie to watch in our bye bye 2020 theme for the month we're going to be free we're going to be reviewing lee Wan nails the invisible man but before we go you for the third time tonight need to go follow our new ig page that is d180 podcast just come hang out with us chill with us there if you want to give suggestions for next month's theme which is love is in the scare so this is just any type of strong love plot horror movies it does not have to be a valentine movie you can email us at destination 180 podcast at gmail.com and other than that miss john a we can bounce up out of this park you ready to go yeah, girl. I'm tired, boss. Me too. See y'all. I've been nursing this. You have. <laughs>